Well, recently, Becca and I had the opportunity to go over to Thailand. They were celebrating their 50th anniversary of a group of churches, and they asked if we'd go over there and do their conference. It was with thousands of people. And then we were able to preach in one of the larger churches in Bangkok. And uh, they did something during that service I've never seen done before. And uh, I, I was just, after worship, they get done with worship, then they do announcements, and then they did something, again, that I, I'd never seen done in a church before. And I thought about telling you about what they did, but I thought instead I would just have us do it today. So I'm going to tell you or do what they did. So if it was your birthday last week or it's your birthday this week coming up, all right, so do the math. It was your birthday last week or it's your birthday this week, all right? I want you to stand all across the church and at all of our campuses. Stand if it's your birthday and stay standing. Was last week or is this week? Stand up. Come on, stay standing. We're all right. Now, if I could have the interns and the ushers bring them all a cupcake, please. It's your birthday. All right. Somebody just stood. Check their ID. You know, it's not their birthday. They just want a cupcake. All right. So you get a cupcake. Stay standing with your cupcake. All right. All right. Now. We are going to sing happy birthday to every one of them that has a cupcake. And, and we may not know their name, but if you know their name, you can say it. If you don't, when we get to that part where the name is, we're going to say dear friend. Happy birthday, dear friend. All right, ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear friend. Happy birthday to you. Now stay standing, stay standing, all right? If you're around them, if you're around them, you feel comfortable doing this, just place a hand on their shoulder. And we're gonna pray a blessing on them, all right? We're gonna pray a blessing. Go ahead, stand up around it, put your hand. Lord, we just pray for these people. It's their birthday last week or coming up and we celebrate them. They matter. They matter. They are here for a purpose and they matter and we're glad they're part of our family. We pray blessing on them and we pray this next year would be their best year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's clap one more time for the birthday people. Be extra nice to them. They have a cupcake, all right. So that's what they did. And I asked them afterwards, I said, what, was that a special day? He said, we do that every weekend. I said, you do birthday cupcakes every weekend. You sing happy birthday and you pray over them every weekend. He said, yes, we do. I said, why do you do that? And he said, well, here's what happens in Thailand. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, many times your family will shun you. You will lose community. You will become isolated. And as you become isolated, you start to wonder why you ever followed Jesus in the first place. And you start to feel like, I've abandoned all, I've lost all. Who is my family? Where is my community? And they said, we will be their community. And if no one will sing happy birthday to them, we, their church family, will sing happy birthday to them and we'll let them know they matter. They are taking biblical community to another level. They've said, even we're gonna sing happy birthday to you. We're gonna remember the day you were born and we celebrate you, you matter in this world. And as we've been looking in this series, we've been looking at different things that a disciple does and a disciple does this. They engage in biblical community. They engage in community. They don't just come to church and check in, check out. They jump into the life of the church. 
They become family with one another. And that's what we're going to look at today, that it's more than just coming to a church service on the weekend. It's more than just saying, okay, I like that service. Now I'm out for lunch. It's saying, I'm going to be part of the life of the church because I'm a disciple. I will be engaged in biblical community. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, this is talking about the early church. It has just been formed. And it says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They had two things that they were doing right away in the beginning when the church was started. They would come together in the temple courts, and if you're not familiar, the temple courts were incredibly large, multiple football fields in size. Matter of fact, our auditorium here would just be one small area of the temple court. They would gather together and they would worship together. They would talk to one another. They would praise Jesus. They would pray in his name and they would expect God to do amazing things as they gathered together in the temple courts. But then they would go and they would break down into homes and they would invite people in there and they would break bread together. They would eat together. They would pray specifically for needs and lift each other up. They had the large group setting, they had the small group setting, and they were in biblical community. I love what the Old Testament says about being in the church family or biblical community. It says in Psalm 68, 6, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But I love the first part. God sets the lonely in families. And I want to tell you right now, if you're here and you are lonely and you are wondering, does anybody love you? Will anybody celebrate you? You are here on purpose. You are not here on an accident. Last night when I preached, I got done with this service and I, can't, I couldn't imagine how many people came up and said, I felt isolated. I felt lonely. I didn't feel like I mattered. We had one lady say, I was going to take my life this week. I thought nobody cared. I didn't think there was a place I could belong. She said, I came for the first time and I said yes to Jesus at the end of service. God places lonely people like that in this family and you're here for a reason. You are. We, we want to make biblical community a reality in everyone's life. And I want to help you to understand this. And I want you to hear it in this way. I want you to find, join, be in, and make. Find, join, be in, and make. All right? We'll say it in just a moment here. Find, join, be in, and make. All right? Ready? Find, join, be in, make. Let me explain it to you. I want you to find faith. I want you to join a church. I want you to be in community. And I want you to make a difference. I understand some of you say, wait, wait, I've heard you say before, you don't have to believe to belong. And you just started out with fine faith. And, and you're right. You do not have to believe what we believe to belong here. We are glad you're on the journey. We're glad that you're looking in or somebody say you're kicking the tires or whatever you're doing. You're exploring faith. You don't have to believe what we believe to belong. But here's the thing. While you're here with us, I'm praying that you'll see the irresistible love of Jesus and you'll just be drawn to it and you'll just want to say yes to him because of the love you felt, the love you've experienced from Jesus and he will become real to you. But we're glad you're on this journey with us. We, we, we believe now that more, more than ever, the world is, is aching for community and people are even joining churches, even not believing what they believe, but they're like, I need a place to belong. I'm looking for community. Here's what's so sad. We have more connectivity without connection. How many know these little devices have been amazing, but also they're full of problems? 
I mean, we have connectivity all over the world. We can, I can text people. I can Zoom somebody. I can FaceTime somebody around the world. I can be connected, but I, I, I don't have true connection. I don't have this connectivity. People have been wondering what's been going on in our world, and I've been thinking about this. In the last 20 years, we've become a digital world, and I'm not sure we're able to handle everything that the digital world has brought to us. I'm not saying get rid of your phone. I'm not saying that. I'm going to keep my phone. I'm just as addicted as you, all right? But I understand that there's things that we've got to wake up to that in the last 20 years, we've, we've lost the personal connection. Students will sit in their room for hours on end in a digital world instead of going outside and, and making friends. I mean, I know I'm not that old, but my parents were like, go outside and make up a game, invent something. Here's a cardboard box, have fun, you know? <laughs> and you did it and you painted it and you made it an airplane, you did whatever. You had creativity. We hear global news and we can't handle all the world's catastrophes. And yet we get them in real time. We watch them and consume them digitally. Our thumbs get carpal tunnel, and some of us haven't had a hug in months. How sad that our thumbs are getting that workout. We passively consume content on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we wonder, wonder why we feel so bad, because we're watching everyone else live rather than living our life in community. We drink in poisonous posts from people that share untested and biased thoughts, and it's, it's poisoning us as we just consume all these things. Psychologist Sherry Turkle says, in the digital age, the mobile phone has made us live alone together. We're living alone together. The other day we were at lunch, Beck and I, and we were shopping in the mall, and then we met at lunch, and right when we sat down, we just quick returned a few texts, and a friend was in the restaurant, and he was watching us, and we were both on our phone, and he took a picture of us at the restaurant, and he texted us, he's like, doesn't get any better than this, look at the love. I was like... <laughs> He better pay for my meal, you know. <laughs> uh, we're living alone together. We weren't made to do that. Right. The, do you realize the only not good that God saw in creation was that man was alone? He's like, first day, good. Second day, good, 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 good. And then he's like, man alone. Not good. Not good. You know what he said? I'll make a helper. Genesis 2.8, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now, just to be clear, the word helper doesn't mean cleaner, cook, housework, doesn't mean that, all right? Doesn't mean it. Matter of fact, the same word for helper there, God uses it about himself. He says, I'm your helper. So what does that mean? It means one who supplies what is lacking in another person. God says, Adam needs something. There's something missing in his life. And I'm going to create Eve for him. And there's going to be a community. She's going to supply what is lacking in him. And he will supply what is lacking in her. God knew that loneliness was not good. So he made this community for him. Barbara Kay of National Post said, loneliness is a human catastrophe. She just said this recently within the last week. She said, and it's getting worse. There's so many people that are lonely. Again, I talked to people last night after service. They're like, I'm lonely. I don't feel like I have any friends. I didn't know if the church would welcome me in. Welcome home, I said. I, I love that we have that right on the wall out there. Welcome home. Welcome home. We're glad you're here. She said it's a, it's a human catastrophe, and it's not just the USA. They found the richer the nation, the more alone people feel, the more isolation. Matter of fact, do you know that in Japan, 
There are 500,000 people right now between the ages of, of 19 and 35, between, or I'm sorry, between uh, 19 and 39, 500,000 people that don't leave their home. They don't leave their home. They are isolated. They live in a digital world and they're actually afraid to go outside. One of the churches that we started in Japan, we were just there recently with them. And I said, tell me some exciting new things in ministry. They said, well, we're about to launch our shut-in ministry. And I was thinking elderly people. And they said, no, no, no. We're talking like teenagers, young adults that won't leave their home. Half a million people in our country. And so our church is gonna now go to them, show them the love of Jesus and try to get them to come out of their home and not be isolated. It's so bad in Japan that, that landlords are now buying lonely death insurance. You know what that means? It means that somebody is so isolated and so alone and not in any community at all that they're not even gonna know that the person died until they smell the body. And so they buy insurance for the cleanup to renovate the apartment called lonely death insurance. That is isolation. We are losing community and it's time for us to say, that's not the way we're gonna live. We're going to be part of a church that worships together in the main church together, but we're going to go in homes. We're going to be in each other's lives. We're going to miss you when you're gone. We're going to miss you when you're gone. We're going to celebrate when you're back. And we're going to say you're part of this community and part of this family. God places the lonely in families. He wrote the prescription. Come on, it's time to fill the prescription. Be part of the family and get in here. So number one, find faith. Find faith, really. You need to find faith. And again, you don't have to believe to belong here, but I'm praying you'll find faith. I'm praying that you'll understand that Jesus Christ died for you, that he paid the price for your sins, and you'll find faith in Jesus Christ. And you won't be living your story, you'll live his story. And you'll live for something bigger than you, and you'll find meaning in life. Because Jesus Christ wants you to live on purpose. He created you for his glory and for his honor, and in, he is willing to forgive you of everything you've done. And you can find faith. A new poll out in the UK suggests that 89% of 18 to 29-year-olds, 89% of those people that should be grabbing the world and saying, we're ready to run, we have purpose, we have meaning, said they have a life that is meaningless and without purpose. They need to find faith. They need to find faith. You won't find your meaning in I'm all about me. You find your life, you find your meaning when you understand who you were created for and who loves you so much that he laid down his life for you. But in this nihilistic world, we, we wonder why things are getting so worse, so bad. It's like no religion, no morals, no meaning. And it's just like, what's going on? We're losing what really matters. I saw this article this week in The Federalist. It says, once upon a time you had meaning. You knew you had meaning because you had a mom and dad who told you so, a God who loved you, and a community that needed you. Once upon a time, if something happened to you, a significant number of people would mourn your death, not only because you were a good person and a good friend, but also because the community would suffer without your presence and skills. Now the vast majority of people can barely count on one hand the number of people whose life would be truly altered by their passing. We've created a society that now offers almost none of the things that make people truly happy. Family, community, spiritual belonging. I'm telling you what, finding faith 
spiritual belonging, saying, God, I am here for you. I understand that. You want to forgive me of my sins and I will receive that. I'm praying that you will, first of all, find faith. Then I'm, I'm praying that you'll join a church. You say, why didn't you say join this church? I'd love for you to join this church, but there's people online. There's people from all around America that are visiting us today. If you're not part of this church, I'd love for you to find a Bible-believing church that preaches from the Bible, that lifts up the name of Jesus, that gives people an opportunity to say yes to Him like we'll do at the end of this service. I want you to join a church and, and jump in. There's a lot of people that are doing something today called co-serve. What does that mean? They go to this church one day and this church the next day, and then they skip church this week and watch it online. And then they go to this church. It's kind of like, well, if we need praise, we go to River Valley. If we need a little quieter, we go to that small church, my mom and dad, right? And then if we need a break, we watch online. And then if we're, you know, oh, they're having a guest speaker, so we go over there. And, and you're being co-served and you're saying it's about me, but you don't understand when you find a church and you join a church, you're saying, hey, I'm in on this. I'm part of the family. I'm part of community. You can count on me. See, C.S. Lewis noted this about membership, that it really has a church origin. It has a Christian origin, that it meant like we're, we're members in this together. And it, and it means like, I'm here for you. You're here for me. You can count on me. I'm going to sacrifice for you. I'm going to actually lay down my life. I'm going to serve here. I'm part of the family. It, it's, I'm going to jump in and be part of the life of this. Yeah. Membership now is like, would you like to be a member and get discounts? Yeah. I thought about what kind of discount could we offer at church? You know, want to become a member? We'll reserve the back row for you. I don't know. What do we, uh, you know, it, 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 they've taken away membership. It's not about a discount. Membership, joining a church and being part of the life is about, I want to serve. I want to sacrifice. I understand that I'm a member. When Paul said you're members of the body, he wasn't saying you're part of the discount club. He's saying you're part of the living body, the organism. You have a part that plays, uh, that somebody needs. Romans 12 verses four and five, it says, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Turn to your neighbor and say, you belong to me, I belong to you. Turn it out. Now turn to the other one that's not your spouse and say that, all right? You know, like, that was easy. You're like, we're in this together. We are in this together. And I'm praying that you will find faith and you will join a church. And that you will just not do it digitally. You know what? When you start walking away from church, I'll tell you what, you, next thing you'll start walking away from personal faith. There was an article the other day by Michael Kelly, and I love what he said. He said, drifting from the faith starts with drifting from the church. Sometimes we say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'll learn anything new this week at church. Do you know what? You need to come to church each week to be reminded of what God's already done in you. Whether you learn anything new or get anything new, your life, you just need to be reminded again, this is what really matters. This is what it's all about. It's about His glory and His honor. It's not about me. You just are reminded again about over and over again. This is about Him. So you get reminded. You, you also realize that you're not self-reliant, that you are reliant on one another. Because you step away from church, you start thinking, I got this. I got this. I don't need them. I got this. 
and I starts becoming the center of your life. When you stay in the church and you are involved in worship together, you start realizing it's not about me, it's about him, it's about all of us, we're in this together, and I'm not the, the center of this world. And then the other thing, when you leave the church, it starts to create gaps in your life because you lose that community. And when you lose that community, that gap is created and that gap wants to be filled. And God wants that gap to be filled by the community that you're in here, the church that you're a part of. So I want you to do that. The third thing, be in community. I want you to find faith, join a church, be in community. I said, you don't have to believe to belong, but if you believe, belong. Does that make sense? If you believe, belong, like get in here with us and be in community, value each other, be authentic with each other, be accountable, care for each other, share with one another, be involved. Now we have a, a wonderful tool here that we use. And, and as I read in Acts 2, it talked about temple and homes, temple and homes. So for us, it's coming together in our buildings and then in homes or smaller rooms within our buildings. We do something here called life groups and a disciple is involved in biblical community. And you find biblical community by being involved in a life group. Now, our, our life group session is starting up September 1st. It starts up there and I'm encouraging you to sign up for Alpha or Sisterhood or Freedom or to start a life group. Matter of fact, if you wanna start a life group, you could text the word community to 41411, all right? community to 41411 and you could start a life group. We just say whatever your passion is, add some intentionality to it and create a life group. You know what I did once for a life group? I wanted to get scuba certified. So I said, we're going to do a scuba group. And so I asked the scuba instructor, I said, how many people do I need to have in my life group for you to teach scuba class at my house? He said, 10. All right. We got 12 of us. We had 12 people and so we'd meet on Tuesday nights and we had scuba certification. I opened with a devotional, I opened with prayer, we took people's needs and then we turned it over to the scuba guy. So he just unknowingly joined our life group, you know. <laughs> we prayed for him too, you know. And then we all got scuba certified. We all did our training here in the lake. We all had, matter of fact, one of the members of our group, his daughter got sick. We went to the hospital, brought them food, prayed for his family. We were a life group. We were the scuba group. All right, so it can be as simple as that, or it could be studying the uh, book of the Bible together. It could be going through a curriculum. It could be serving together, but it's something that says, I'm going to be in biblical community. Somebody will miss me. Somebody will help me. Somebody will sharpen me. Somebody will take care of our needs when our family goes to the hospital, or we will take care of theirs. We're doing this. We need to be better at this. And I wanna just publicly confess, I used to be way better at life groups, way better. And in the busyness of my life, I've kind of opted myself out. I've said, I'm so busy. I'm traveling, I'm doing this, I'm writing books, I'm doing all this. And I thought I have all, all so many pastors on staff and I'm good, we're good. And I just felt God say, you need to be in this. So I'm putting it out there for 10,000 people this weekend to hold me accountable that I will be in a life group for this fall. I will be Zooming in when I'm not there, but I'm gonna be part of this and there's no excuse. There's no excuse, we all need to be part of this. Last one is this, make a difference. Make a difference. Now more than ever, you need to make a difference. When you're in biblical community, you make a difference. Like that verse in Romans, it says, we all belong to one another. We're making a difference. I wanna make a difference in your life. I want you to make a difference in my life. I wanna make a difference in the life of the people that have not yet heard 
about the name of Jesus. And we do that through the biblical community that we're part of. I believe this, eternity hangs in the balance and our church needs to be making a difference. We need to be out there and be salt and light. As I was preparing this sermon, we had the horrific shootings last week in El Paso and in Dayton. And of course we have horrific shootings in inner cities of our, of our country every weekend. It boggles my mind to see the pain and the suffering and the anger and the hate and the violence that's going on. And again, people are like, what are we gonna do to help this? What are we gonna do? Pass another law, do this. I'm gonna tell you this right now. What's going on right now here in this church? This is the cure. This is the cure, helping people to find faith, helping people to find Jesus, changing people's hearts and lives. This is not a cute worship service. This is not a crutch for weak people. This is the cure for what's wrong with our country right now. They need to find Jesus. And they need us to go out there and make a difference. People are isolated, people are alone. And as I looked, I couldn't help but look at the people that were these violent shooters in this last week and they're much like all the others with weird ideology and and garbled thinking. And they find people online that reinforce their hatred and they feed each other. And in that feeding, they get more isolated, more lonely. They're looking for something for people to remember them and they try to make a name for themselves. And I, I, I don't ever want to speak their name again. And they go and do these things. And it's so sad with all that's going on. And they're, they're, they're wondering what's going on. There's no meaning. There's no meaning. And I'm saying there can be meaning in Jesus Christ. And we've got to go and find these people and say, you don't need to be isolated. You don't need to be a loner. There's a faith community that would welcome you in. You need to hear the truth and not hear chatter online, but you need to hear truth in biblical community. How many know that sometimes in biblical community, people say something and you're like, yeah, that's not good. You shouldn't say that. That, that, Yeah, that's not good. We'll work on that later. They need that, somebody to work on that later with them and to be able to be in biblical community. I see all this and I realize that life is hanging in the balance. Peace on earth is hanging in the balance right now. And we need to go out and make a difference in the lives of these people, in the lives of our neighbors, in the lives of our coworkers. I share this in all truth and sincerity. We had a man show up at our Faribault campus once with a nine millimeter in his bag. He showed up and he said, he said, I'm coming to church and I'm gonna kill myself in front of every person here in this church. He was that lonely. He was that, this was our church, not some other church, River Valley Church. And he said this, the craziest thing. He said, if the scripture verse that the preacher is preaching on is not from this chapter of the Bible, I'm gonna kill myself. That day, the sermon was from that chapter of the Bible. And he walked up at the altar and handed our pastor the nine millimeter in the brown paper bag and said, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. Life hangs in the balance. Life hangs in the balance. And there were people that made a difference that week that were ushers and greeters and servers and children's workers. And there were a worship team that brought the presence of God. And there were people that gave sacrificially that made a difference so that that person could go from being somebody that would have brought tragedy upon so many, instead bringing peace into his life. And he's now serving Jesus today. I'm telling you what, lives are hanging in the balance. God places lonely people and families. And it's time for us to say, if we're gonna be part of this church, we're 
we're going to be part of biblical community. I want you to find faith. I want you to join church. I want you to be in community. I want you to make a difference because lives are hanging in the balance. I wanna pray right now for those people in El Paso that have lost loved ones and in Dayton and of course in our inner cities. And I want us to intercede and I want us to do something outside our normal comfort zone. We've already passed out cupcakes. We're good, all right? I want you to hold hands with the people around you. I want you to hold hands. And if you're not near somebody, you can scooch over and hold their hand. I want you to do this. We are in this together. We are in this, we are in biblical community. Lord, I thank you for the people that we get to worship with. The people that are around us, they matter. They matter. We can count, they can count on us and we can count on them. We're in this together and lives can hang in the balance. We don't know whose hand we're holding right now. They may need to know you as Lord and Savior. They may need to know that you could forgive them. And so God, we just pray that you would help us to be sensitive to that. God, I'm just thanking you for a church that says, we don't wanna just be consumers, we wanna have community. We wanna be a part of this. And so I'm praying for a greater involvement in life group, a greater involvement in life teams where we can make a difference. And Lord Jesus, we can just uh, help change this world. Again, we pray for those families that are grieving in El Paso and Dayton, in our inner cities, anyone that has lost a loved one from violence, God, we pray for that to stop in our country. I pray for the rhetoric to be ramped down in Jesus' name. I pray for leaders to take it responsible that they are leaders and they should not use social media to destroy one another. I, I pray for our, our, our government leaders to step up and lead and lead people into peace and not into chaos. And so God, I'm praying that the church would realize we are the cure, we have the answer with us, and we would go out and be the salt and light in this world. Thank you, God, that we can come together in what would be like a temple, in, in this place of worship. But thank you, God, that we can be in homes and smaller groups and caring for one another. Every person matters here. And we thank you, God, for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.